Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Wow. And all God's people said, wow. Amen. Very warm welcome to you on this Sunday morning. My name is Dennis Miller, senior pastor of the church. Good to see each and every one of you. Good to see those in the balcony and welcome to those worshiping online. Last week, we kicked off the church season of Lent, the 40 days leading up to Easter with a fantastic service. I want to thank those who prayed and came out. We had a pretty full house that night. Pastor Fitz gave an incredible message that night. If you missed that service, we have it online. You can go back and hear Pastor's message. And uh, today, we're kicking off a brand new teaching series for Sunday morning that will take us to Easter. It's seven weeks, including Easter. We've entitled, Jesus Is. So come every week as we ask the question, who is Jesus? Let me also say a quick word before we jump into our study about Wednesday night. I'm going to be leading that study in the balcony, 6.30 on Wednesday night. The theme is revival. That'll be our theme in the Wesleyan tradition. We're going to look at the Wesleyan movement and the revival that came that changed England, then America, and then how God is moving today. Yes, we'll touch a little bit about the stories we've heard from Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury University. Some of you know that I'm a graduate of Asbury University. There are others in this room that are graduates as well. And so we understand that deep Wesleyan uh, heritage that we have. But more importantly, what is God doing today in our midst worldwide? We'll have some fun. That'll be on Wednesday evenings at 6.30. 6 o'clock if you want to bring some food to share as we gather together. Now, Today, we are kicking off this new series. I think of the disciples in Matthew chapter 8, as they are on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus calms the winds and the waves, and then they look around, they're perplexed. Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? And that question, who is this man, who is Jesus, is the ultimate question of our age. Who is Jesus? As Pastor Fitz asked, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? And over these weeks, in Lent, through Lent and then Easter, we will look at characteristics of Jesus. Now, I want you to consider this regarding Jesus, the historical figure. Jesus didn't go to high school or college as we know it, but the Jesus movement has produced some of the greatest universities of our age. These universities founded in the name of Christ or in the name of the church, like Cambridge and Oxford and Harvard and Yale, Princeton, these great universities. And I want to say Asbury University as well, amen. <laughs> I got one amen down from a graduate right here, Marcy <laughs> Fitzpatrick. Jesus never wrote a book, and yet there are more books written about Jesus than any other person in history. 
Jesus never traveled as far as we know more than 200 miles from the place he was born. And yet you can find Jesus followers all around the world. No one actually knows today what Jesus looked like. And yet, through artists and paintings, he's the most recognizable person worldwide. As far as we know, we only have one record of Jesus singing a hymn, a song. It happened after they left the upper room. And yet, there have been more songs written about him than any other person. In fact, He's the only one associated with a Grammy category in his honor, gospel music, right? Who is Jesus? That's the question. And even the date on our calendar, 2023 AD, the year of our Lord, bears witness to the fact that Jesus lived an incredible life. Today, we're asking the question, who is Jesus to you? Today's theme is simple. Do you like simple? We're going to start right with the basics, and we're going to just build up every week. The theme today is Jesus is carpenter. Say that with me. Jesus is carpenter. Well, we've heard that before, but we don't spend a lot of time focusing on the fact that he had just a normal job. We often focus on the three years of Jesus' earthly ministry and neglect the 30 beforehand. And yet we find this amazing reference to Jesus that he was a carpenter, a son of a carpenter. In fact, in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, he's called a carpenter. And of course, Mark did not write this account in English. What language did he write it in, Bible students? Ancient Greek, right? And so we look at the ancient Greek word for carpenter that's used here, it's tecton, which literally can be translated into English, one who works with wood, but more importantly, one who works with stone or a stone mason. Jesus was from Nazareth of Galilee, and predominantly, he would have worked with stone. Not a lot of houses built with trees in those days, but much was built with stone. In fact, the Greek city of Sephoris was only about six to eight miles away from Nazareth. Nazareth was actually just a suburb of the bigger Greek city that many of the people would have went to work. And the construction there archaeologists tell us today it was all through stone. It's very interesting that Joseph was also a tecton. Never do we find a reference to him being an architecton, where we get the word architect or contractor. He was a common laborer. And tradition would be that the Jewish father would pass down his trade to his son that Jesus was a carpenter. Now I want to show you, if you have your Bibles, if you open them up to Matthew chapter 13 to our scripture today, and I want to show you a very interesting little story of a time in which Jesus, early on in his ministry, when he came back to his hometown, and the people were amazed 
at what was going on when he went into the synagogue. And I'll just start Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. He's back in Nazareth now. His earthly ministry has begun. And it says this, coming to his hometown, he, meaning Jesus, began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they ask? You see, because this wasn't some outside preacher. This wasn't some outside evangelist, some scholar coming in from seminary to teach them God's word, to instruct them in the synagogue. This was one of, of them. I mean, they knew Jesus. They had watched Jesus grow up. Jesus went to school with their kids. Jesus played soccer with their kids. Jesus hung out with their kids. This was just Jesus. Who is this guy who's teaching like that? Where did he get that wisdom? What school did he go to? That's just Jesus there. You know, I thought about this just last week. I was sitting right down here with my wife last Sunday listening to our district superintendent, Jim Wilson, in the first service. And I got this tap on my shoulder, said, hey, Dennis. I looked over to my surprise my high school youth leader was sitting there in the row. I didn't expect her to be coming in today. And so she surprised me. She didn't know who was preaching. And actually, she was very blessed by hearing Jim. So it was good. She stayed for the second service as well. But she says, hey, I'm here. Now, when, when Pam thinks of me, because she remembers high school, she thinks of Bill and Nancy's son. I mean, not just Dennis, Sister Holly, Sister Alice right? She thinks of the kid who would rather play basketball than have Bible study. She thinks of the kid who spent a lot of time teasing and flirting with girls and eating a lot of pizza. That was what YG to him was about, not the preacher on the stage at Ginsburg, right? So look at this scripture through those lens again. Look at verse 55, and here's what they say. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. A couple things that we see from this little passage here. Now, just on the side, I think it's very interesting. We see here recorded that Jesus had four younger brothers. They're listed, right? How many brothers did Jesus have? According, at least here to Matthew, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Jesus had how many sisters? Well, we don't know from this passage, but at least two. He had more than one because sisters are plural. And what they're asking is, wait a minute, who is this guy? Because his sisters still live in town. We just saw her yesterday out at the garden or by the well. This is not some special anointed person that's sent here from Jerusalem to teach us in any way. Who is Jesus? Isn't this the guy who worked with his dad to build our kitchen table? Isn't this the young man who put up the retaining wall in our 
backyard. You see, when they thought of Jesus, they did not think of holy man, scribe, religious priest. They thought of carpenter. They thought toolbox. They thought pickup truck. They thought calloused hands. They didn't think of temple or synagogue. They thought of Menards or Lowe's or Home Depot. That's what they thought. Now, here's the deal. Check this out. I don't know about you, but I find it amazingly attractive that Jesus worked an ordinary job. How about you? Just an ordinary Joe, so to speak. If he could have coffee, not sure they had coffee, but he could have coffee, he'd get up and have his Folgers coffee. It wouldn't be any of this specialized coffee, you know. Black, of course. No cream and sugar. (laughs) He was just a good old boy, we'll say. Doing a job. He knew the advantage of working hard all day as he went to work. I find that attractive. I find that a blessing. Because what that means is that he can identify with me in my everyday Monday morning experience or Tuesday morning. I mean, there are days, let's be honest, I'm up on the mountain on Sunday morning, but then it's Monday again. Same old, same old, right? Perhaps you feel like that. Jesus can identify with us because Jesus was fully human as well as being fully God. And that is the amazing miracle of it all. You know, there's power in identity. I use this example. I want you to hear me right. Stay with me. Hear what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying in a sense, okay? I think in our age, leaders try their best, although they fail, to identify with their audience. Because if you can connect in a certain way, there's power in that. Happens all the time. One example would be politicians, right? And preachers too, okay? So I don't want to just pick on politicians, but let's use that as an example. We need good politicians. And yet they work very, very hard to identify with their audience. We're going to see that in the next presidential campaign. Do you realize that as we are now uh, leaving the winter of 2023, that the summer of 23 will be here sooner than you think, and politicians will be crisscrossing the country already for the 2024? Are you ready? Are you excited? (laughs) We're going to do this all again? No, right? Some of you are saying, right? But politicians will be crossing the country, not just presidential, but others, Republican and Democrat. Please know that here, if you're wondering, who is this guy up here speaking? I'm an equal opportunity offender, all right? I'm pro-Jesus today. And that's just not a saying. That's true. (laughs) And so, Republicans and Democrats will be crossing the country. And you ever notice how they work very hard to identify with their audience? Let's take the Iowa State Fair that's going to be in August this year. We always see them out there, Fox News, CNN, they'll be out there. And often when they have a different speech, you'll often find a candidate. um, There'll be in the background a tractor, perhaps a bale of hay, maybe there'll be a barn. And instead of wearing a suit or a dress, or some sort of business attire. They're usually wearing jeans, right, out in Iowa. Maybe a ball cap that reads 
farming made America great. Now, why are they doing that? Because they're trying to identify with their audience. They're saying, hey, I'm one of you, or at least I understand what you're going through, or I'm here to help. And then a few months later, you'll see this same candidate, and they'll be in Detroit, Michigan, or Toledo, Ohio, or Lorraine, Ohio, at an auto assembly plant. And this time, they don't have a ball cap, but they have a hard hat on and goggles. And as they are touring the assembly line, they are saying, hey, I feel your pain. I'm here with you right now. I, I'm wondering, why do they do that? Because they're doing their best to identify with the normal common people of the area. And it's all good. We all do it, right? But I've often wondered from time to time if any of these candidates, and including us too, so don't misunderstand, but any of these candidates would actually be willing to work on the farm for six months. <laughs> hmm or work on the assembly line for a while? Would they be willing to come down with me to my home stomping grounds in Southeast Ohio, down in Athens County, where I worked for seven years, where one out of four families live in poverty, and one out of three children are on food stamps? I wonder if they'd be willing to work alongside the underground coal miners of Buckingham Coal Mine. I know exactly where it's at. I've been, I pass it many, many times in my life. Right south of Corning on State Route 13. Or have the meatloaf special at Bonnie's Country Cafe in Gloucester. Or go back to their two-bedroom apartment beside Ernie Salvage's garage for a while. They, they lead, eat in the same lunchrooms, use the same restrooms for a time. Would they be willing to do that? And I don't know too many candidates who'd be willing. I don't know too many preachers who'd be willing as well. Because you see, as humans, we would rather settle for the illusion of identification. Here's where I'm going with all this. My point is that when God entered the world in Christ, he did not settle for the illusion, amen, of identification. Jesus didn't come to pose for a TV camera for 15 minutes or to win a debate. Jesus wasn't born in a palace in Jerusalem. He was born in a barn in Bethlehem. Jesus wasn't born to a king and queen, but to a peasant girl in a backstreet town that no one had heard about at the time. God became flesh and dwelt among us. I like to say, I've said at Christmas time, you could have found that place in the dark if you were downwind. That's the kind of place that Jesus entered the world. Adonai had acne. You ever think about that? Did Jesus ever have pimples? Probably did. He belched. Yes, probably passed gas. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Is that what the preacher just said? <laughs> I wonder if Jesus snored. I wonder if the disciples ever said, Jesus, you're snoring too loud. Knock it off. 
Jesus walked in our shoes. Jesus even knew what it was like to lose a loved one. We can assume that he lost his earthly father, Joseph, because by this time, there's no mention of Joseph. We see Joseph and Mary when Jesus was 12 in the temple, but we don't have record later on. When Jesus was dying on the cross, Joseph wasn't around, and he said to John, behold your mother, meaning take care of Mary, as if Joseph. So Jesus would, some of you have lost loved ones. You've lost a parent. You understand that pain. Some of you are still hurting from that. Know that Jesus lost loved ones too. And I don't know about you, but that's very attractive to me, (laughs) that Jesus can understand he can identify. Jesus is carpenter. So when you think of that, this is just the beginning of this series, think Jesus became one of us so we might know God. Here's what it means. Here's the good news, Gingsburg. Jesus came for the nurse working the midnight shift at Miami Valley Hospital that's exhausted today. Jesus came for the truck driver driving up I-75 at 2 a.m. through Dayton to beat the traffic. It's lonely, pressing on to get home. Jesus came for the clerk behind the cash register at UDF on 25A. Jesus came for the person working the early morning crazy drive-through at McDonald's in Vandalia. Jesus came for those coming in to New Path to get food. Jesus came for the handicapped person, amen? The forgotten person. Jesus came for the student that feels that nobody understands them, that nobody really cares because Jesus was a teenager too. Jesus even had words with his parents too. Remember in the temple? Jesus lived it as well. And I pray that's comforting to you because Jesus is Emmanuel. Christmas time, we talk a lot about that. The angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. You shall call his name Jesus for he shall save your people from their sins. And then the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him, they will call him, Amen. which means God with us. Let me tell you a story. Chuck Colson, after his own political imprisonment, spent the rest of his life when he got out of prison working to help redeem the prisons of this world. He led several movements, and one was Project Angel Tree, where he would bring gifts in honor of incarcerated fathers into homes around Christmas time. Tells of the time years ago that he was delivering these gifts from a father to a family who lived in the projects of Washington, D.C. It was a cold winter day as he made his way down the street trying to find the right number. The houses all looked the same. And as he walked into this apartment, he found the apartment door. Now, it was freezing outside, but the door was just hanging on its hinge, half open, The heat was blaring. He kind of yelled into the door. The mother was at work. There were about 
four or five kids running around, small kids and a couple older kids watching them. He said, hey, my name is Chuck. I'm here with some gifts from your father. The kids were all excited. One little boy came running up to him. And so Chuck said, well, what is your name, young man? He said, my name is Emmanuel. Chuck got down on a knee and And he reached in the back pocket and he pulled out a New Testament to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. He says, do you know that your name is in the Bible? Do you know what your name means? And so he read this and he said, Emmanuel, which means God with us. About that time, the mother came home and the little boy saw his mother and he went running to his mother and he said, mommy, mommy, God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. And Chuck Colson said he left that apartment. And as he was making his way down the cold Washington, D.C. street, all we could hear in the back of his mind was the sound of that little boy crying out for the world. God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. And he said, I knew that that was the hope of the world. My friends, it's simple. But maybe we need simple. Jesus is carpenter. Because what that means is that he understands when people say the check is in the mail, but they don't ever send it all. When people aren't pleased with our work and we've given it our all. See, Jesus did those kind of things as well. And so one day, now listen, before we leave, I want you to hear this. There came a time where Jesus put down his hammer. He took off his nail apron and he hung it on a post. He took the open and closed sign of the carpentry shop and he turned it to close. And then he went out and walked up a hill called Golgotha that someone else would pick up a hammer and pick up a nail and nail him to the cross because he took on our pain and our shame and our sin and he made it his own. Jesus is carpenter. Amen. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you didn't settle for the illusion of identification, but you wrapped yourself in the robes of humanity and you came from simple people just like us. Getting up kind of people, going to work, taking care of the kids kind of people. Today, come to us, abide with us as we fully surrender our lives to you. Take on our sin that we might be resurrected in you. Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. And if you believe it, then receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, 
You can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.